What's better than this? Guys being dudes. This podcast contains language and themes of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. Hello and welcome to the Tree Busted Barstools podcast. You're joined by myself, the Sasquatch, the last bastion of research, the doctor. Good evening. The man of the hour, too sweet to be sour. It's the coach. And finally, back by popular demand, it's Beric Dundarian. Hello, Hello again. Gents. Hello. Good evening. Good evening. Can you, can you forward me on the popular demand? I just want to see it for myself, that's all. Yeah, I'd like to actually see that too. As well. I've got Impression. references. It's, I, where's the justification? <laughs> ah, there was a lot of fight fans annoyed. Um, they didn't get the fight breakdown of mm. Lomachenko Lopez. And no one really pleaded. cares what the coach has to say as he's a blowing, so let's just move <laughs> on. <laughs> and there it is. The banter is back. It's just moving on. Let's just keep on trucking. Yeah. Another another exceptional weekend of sports, gents. Be tuning into anything in particular. Uh, just some Premier League action. I know my pick of the weekend was uh, Man United Chelsea. Fuck me. So boring. This is a child friendly show. <laughs> <laughs> started. Started yeah. Very bad. But I would like to uh, point out that I, I'm really liking this whole uh, PPV protest where people, instead of paying their 15 quid to pay pay-per-view to watch Liverpool, Sheffield, United, are donating their money to really good causes. So fair play to all those fans. Yeah. yeah. Say, yeah. Just, to, just to point that out. Yeah. Um, I thought you were going to get us in a bit of a legal dispute and recommend a few illegal streams there. So glad you took me in a different that. direction. I, I have uh, so many subscriptions. Yeah. Too many. But I do not have an OnlyFans. I would just like to point that out now. <laughs> what the fuck have I been paying for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, another bumper weekend of sport. Um, yeah. I mean, you've had the UFC... You've had Premier League, you've a guy back again. Um, I don't know if anyone's seen, but the AFL final was on on Saturday. They had 30,000 fans in attendance. The NRL was on again this morning. They had 40,000 fans in attendance. It would offer maybe a glimmer of hope um, that we're not a million miles away from returning to the Mali, maybe. Or at least give you that bit of hope. So that was good to see. Um, and else, gents, and else you've you witnessed you want to discuss before we get down to the nitty gritty I suppose it was an un- unfortunate um, unfortunate even for the Irish um, women's national team on uh, Friday yeah. um, they they kind of they probably left it a little bit too late with their change they looked a little bit leggy towards the end after starting to dominate uh, the dominant side and you know now they've they've really left the uh, qualification or even a playoff qualification you know, in the other team's hands, you know, where it had been in theirs. Um, so look, we'll see how that goes. Uh, they got Germany in the last game. They're going to have to get a win there to even have any hope. So look, it'll be a game that the whole country, I'm sure, will tune into. But that was just a little bit unfortunate last week from from my watchings. Whole country will tune in, you reckon? Yeah, I'd say fifty percent. 
Five zero. Five zero. Five and zero. Well, if you take gender equality in that, you're probably looking around fifty percent. Yeah, fifty percent of fans of football. That is. So we've okay. already cut down that. Um, I don't know. mean to put you on the spot here. I'm just asking. Five zero. Okay. <laughs> Who are they playing? Germany. <clears throat> the, the Germans. They oh, played or, or are no, they played Ukraine? Played Ukraine on that Friday, so, yeah. Germany next year. Uh, yeah, Six Nations actually were back as well, but their game's on today. No, so basically the Ireland-Italy game was the only yeah. game postponed in round four. So they just ah, played that correct, game this, yes. this this weekend. And then it's the kind of Super Saturday or the, the last <laughs> last day of this this, yeah. com- this Saturday coming. And then um, Ireland are playing uh, France in the Stade de France. In Paris to, to, to close out. It's in their hands. They're saying that you need to... You need to get a bonus point of victory against France, which would be difficult. Um, but look, it's in our hands. And we, we, we yeah, could we've had it. a good record against the French in recent uh, years, if I'm not mistaken. It's yeah. Given this yeah. fucking year has gone, it's hard to kind of look back on last year and see how last year's championship went. Yeah, it's you very know, hard. Uh, the World Cup, Rugby World Cup, was only like 11 months ago. Why can't I... Can't Blocked remember. Out, right? I can't remember. Like, yeah. it's, it's completely like gone from memory. Yeah, I think and we're then, relying a lot on England to not do well, and they didn't have a game as as a result of the bad buzz going on the on the tear. On the, the last, so maybe there's a glimmer, a glimmer of hope for us there as well. Led by the Kildare of Fergus McFadden. Oh, um, oh was good he, to... he, he apologizes for, but sure, what's what's an apology? Yeah, absolutely. Nowadays, just, anyway, you know? um, we may as well get into the nitty gritty. So I suppose we're changing it around slightly this week. We're going with a beat the buzzer style format. Each bar stool is going to come to you for ten minutes and try and bring their their findings of their their events from the world of sport, and they've got to get it out in ten minutes and beat that buzzer. So, have we the clock ready? Who's going first? I'm going to jump in first, and then yourself. What do we know? Clock, stopwatch. We're actually doing an official clock, aren't we? Oh, I've got one here with a klaxon ready to go. Yeah. Klaxon. Yes. Uh, the the budget's it's, it's, it's a word they trouble to say in Merseyside. Even klaxon. <laughs> Are we good to, good to go? <coughs> Are you ready, Sass? Yes. Yep. I'm ready. Start in the three, clock. Three, two, one. Hit one. me. Okay, so the last two weekends, as we all know, have been crazy for sport. But one of the things that might have slipped through the, the nets, um, as such, was last week. Daryl Murray, the GM of the Houston Rockets, stood down. Um, and why I think that's significant is Daryl Murray, without uh, unbeknownst to a lot of f- fans of this side of the world, revolutionised the, the sport of basketball in the NBA. So I'm going to give you a quick explanation. You might have heard the term small ball and kind of a brief explanation of how that worked. So I suppose to start us off and to understand how small ball really works, you need to understand three things. So there was two significant rule changes and then one cultural aspect. So the first of the rule changes was obviously was the introduction of the shot clock way back in 1954. 24 seconds still hasn't changed and this brought about a minimum pace in the NBA. Following on from that, in 1960, the ABA adopted the three-point line. It took another 20 years for it to, to make its way to the NBA, at which stage it took another 15, 20 years to, to come into effect, largely because you had a generation of players who'd never had a three-point line, had no interest in it, and viewed it as an inefficient shot. 
And then finally was the cultural aspect of things. So when Jordan left the league, there was a vacuum left in the league and this was filled with dominant bigs. So you had Shaquille O'Neal, you had Kevin Garnett and you had Tim Duncan. As a result of the dominance of the big man, NBA franchises drafted big. So the number of six foot ten plus players drafted spiked. But because these NBA franchises were focusing on size and strength, they forgot to focus on skill. And the NBA kind of entered a, a down period or a dull period. It was not, the standard of play was quite was quite poor. So they, that kind of paved the way for the evolution of this theory of small ball. So basically, small ball is a concept of focusing on speed, agility and perimeter scoring outside, like in stark contrast to your traditional strength, size and low post offense defense um, obviously if you're, if you're opting for a small ball format your points are going to come on the fast break or they're going to come from perimeter shooting and you're going to have you're going to sacrifice in rebounding both offensively and defensively and I think if you look at the Houston Rockets for example key proponents of, of small ball um, they would have finished 20th in 2009-20 season in rebounding um, so that's small ball as a concept I suppose why that ties us in with Darren Morey is Darren Morey was a stats guru, an analytical genius. He was kind of the first big data man to take over in the NBA. I suppose where he came from is he started out as a consultant with EY Partian, which was a leading uh, consultant firm. And with a specialist, he was specializing in sport at the time. He was also a key statistical consultant for Stats Inc. So any sports analysis fans will know Stats Inc. is kind of one of the big the big leaders in, in that world. Um, when he left EY Partian, he became the Senior Vice President of Operations for the Boston Celtics. But while he was in Boston, in addition to doing his operation operational procedures, such as ticket pricing and that type of thing, he was tasked with developing a series of analytic methods in terms of basketball decisions. So it would have been outside of his remit. So that that was analytical methods basically to assist the basketball side of things in terms of the draft, trades, free agency and advanced scouting of his opponents. Due to the success he had in Boston, he was hired in 2006 by the Houston Rockets as assistant GM. Promoted a year later to the GM. It couldn't have come at a worse time uh, for Maury himself. The Houston Rockets, when he took over in 2007, Yao Ming and, and Tracy McGrady were coming to the end of their year. And they made the playoffs in 2008, but they then faced a rebuild. Um, so from 2009 to 2012, they didn't feature in the playoffs, but due to the strength of Murray's an, an, an analytical thinking, Jesus stumbled over that, um, they never dropped below 500, which was huge for a franchise in rebuild. Um the end of the rebuild, obviously, was 2012 with the signing of then Sixth Man of the Year, James Harden from OKC. And once they signed James Harden, they spent eight successive years reaching the playoffs each time. So they made two Western Conference Finals, five Western Conference Semifinals, and they'd three first-round exits. One, of course, was 2016 to the Golden State Warriors. We all know what happened there. But that was possibly the best NBA franchise we've seen in recent years, was the Golden State Warriors. During that time, um, we've lost the coach, but I shall proceed. Um, and then, basically, in 2016, 
what would have happened is they would have signed Mike D'Antoni. At the time, it would have uh, drawn a lot of ire by NBA officials. as They kind of viewed D'Antoni as outdated, a kind of pick-and-roll specialist. Now, that was because of his time with the Lakers. And this is the post-Kobe, pre-LeBron Lakers. So, it was a garbage can. They weren't a great side whatsoever. But Daryl Morey hired him because of the work he'd done with the Phoenix Suns. So, obviously, that was with Steve Nash, Amari Stoudemire, and an agent, Shaquille O'Neal. And then his work he'd done with the Knicks, they were terrible. They were in a rebuild, but he managed to get them to the playoffs twice out of four years. The problem being, though, uh, Mike D'Antoni's religious belief in efficiency, so picking highly efficient shots, doesn't work well with a small ball concept in that you're relying on perimeter shooting. And that's ultimately why it failed in Houston. And then, obviously, the final aspect was going all in, and this is going to kill me, on Russell Westbrook. Um, they went all in on Russell Westbrook to add pace to their offense as a result of his play to add space to the perimeter shooters. But it left them with a small side, and they were, they were tight on salary cap. And as a result, they're now facing into a rebuild with an agent roster. Um, but I suppose the reason I bring it up and why it's quite strange is Mike D'Antoni, uh, Darren Murray took over in Houston with a view to bring in a big data revolution in the NBA. Normally, when someone comes in with a revolution, they're either ostracized, they're labeled the pariah, and then they have the success. And then the list of the league adopts. Or they come in, they're prior, they're ostracized, and they fail, and everyone rubbishes them. Daryl Morey failed in the NBA, not because no one agreed with him, but he failed because the rest of the NBA caught on too quick. Um, and you see all these highly skilled big men coming into the league. Nikola Jokic, Kristaps Porzingis, Joel Embiid, the list goes on and on. And you also see the high level of three-point shooting in the league. You look at the Golden State Warriors. You look at big men all across the league that can hit three points, three shots. So I just thought it was an interesting story to bring to you all. And that's me 10 minute take. Any talking points? Doesn't mean the end of the seven-footer in the NBA, though. No, absolutely not. Uh, like, Porzingis is touching seven-foot. But I think... KD's seven-foot as well, isn't he? <sighs> uh, let's not talk about that, right? Um... AD is something for. Oh, AD. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I meant KD, but I oh, said KD, but I meant AD. That's okay, because yeah. I thought we were going to have to virtually no. score. <laughs> Cut that out. <laughs> um, yeah, but like, I suppose you're now seeing a period in the NBA where it's all about skill. Um, and you have big men who aren't looking to dominate in the low post or looking to dominate in the key. It's all about perimeter shooting. How does it progress? How does it progress? Jesus, I think zero contact limited dunks unless they're on the fast break no contested shots <laughs> that's a, that's about as far as you can take it i suppose i think it, it might revert back down the line if you can get a truly dominant big but they're, they're rare and they're few and far between i mean you look at zion williamson that's a dominant big but he's now been asked to take shots he's not that big though he's not as big no, as but it, not height wise but in terms of like strength and size and raw power, he's <clears throat> bigger than most. What height is he? Don't have it. Uh... He's only like six, 
four, is he not? No. Quick Google search for the fans. Quick Google, yeah. Thirty seconds, baby. Thirty seconds. 30 seconds Ten minutes to get terror. this out. Let's get Ooh. any points out. Zion Williamson, size. Oh, and of course they give it to me in meters. The bricks. Meters will do. He's. Jesus, two points. They say six four. One point nine eight meters. Just short of the. Uh, it's three feet in a meter, isn't it? So. <laughs> 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 yeah, and the next one. Yeah. Call it six. We'll call it six. We'll call it six. We'll revert back before the end of the show for anyone that's like, yeah. oh, is he six foot three or six foot four? Um, <sighs> yeah, look, and that's the, that's the Claxton on the first session. I said I go first because if I make a tit of it, it's better I look like a tit than anyone else looks like a tit. Um, next up, imagine googling right someone's height and feet, and they still give it to you meters. Yeah, did, did that happen to you? Like. Did that happen to you? Well, yeah, but I found it. Fucking metric system. He's six seven. Six seven, like. He's still quite tall. NBA circles, I know what you're saying. He's not the biggest, but like. Yeah. yeah. Damn metric system, huh? A quarter pounder. <laughs> 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 anyway, any grammar, please. <laughs> a good old Simpsons oh. reference. <laughs> anyway, next part of call. He's back. Yeah, it's me, is it? I don't actually have one. To be honest with you, but I'll well, just... it's Sunday night and you don't have topic. Jeez. Well, when we just go, up, no, no. When wait, we just wait, go, wait, with... just stop shouting. Stop shouting. <laughs> No one, no one Bring me. it fucking down. Um, I can do a, f- I'm gonna do a five minute little, little belter here. Spare with me. Get the, okay. uh, get the timer on, G. Get the timer on. Timer. Three, two, one, and play. Two, one. Right, I want to discuss. Uh, the UFC that was on last night, Khabib Fakhachi, and then retired. Um, there's a lot of. A lot of talk going on. Dana White came out and said that Khabib is the greatest fighter of all time. Um, which, you know, it's, it's arguable. It's arguable, but it's I, I wouldn't agree with it for a, a series of points. Um, if you look at Khabib's body of work of who he's fought, he hasn't. No, he's fought, he's fought some very good lads, but he has only 13 fights in the UFC. He's only... I, I see. I don't have this in front of me. I should have. I should have done this up. So I. I can okay. only. I can only apologize. But I should have done this up. He only won the belt against Ally Aquinta when he was meant to fight Tony for like the third time. Tony Ferguson. So he's only, I think, five title defenses, which, in the grand scheme of things, arguing as the greatest of all time. When you look at the likes of Anderson Silva, who has nine title defences Demetrius Johnson who has 12 like it doesn't it's a bad argument I would say the other thing then is they were Dana White was saying that his dominance in the in all his fights has kind of made him the go as well which is fair he's only lost one round officially on the scorecards since he's been in the UFC and that was to McGregor who um, was flat out on the proper 12 the whole 
the whole fight week leading up to the fight and apparently broke his foot three weeks before the fight. Take from that what you will. Take from that what you will. Who um, who broke his foot three weeks before? McGregor did. McGregor He's did. also saying it now about Khabib though. No, Khabib broke his foot oh, okay. three, three weeks before this fight. So before last night, Khabib broke his foot. Um, that, like... I don't think you can call him the greatest of all time, but he's definitely like top three. And I seen somebody putting something on um, up at Twitter yesterday. And it was like, oh no, it was this morning, sorry. And it was like the whole thing, it's like the same with the basketball. Because uh, you know the way that's the big fucking, like, who's the go? Like, it's an emotional and, and comment, f- like. Yeah, exactly. And, and football is the same as well, like with, between Messi and Ronaldo. And um, there is no basically what your mum was saying was there is no like greatest of all time and like everyone like there, there's obviously so many people who you could argue are the greatest of all time but it's definitely like there's no specific credentials yeah. that you need to have mm. to be the greatest of all time do you know what I mean like top um, 10 and that's, that's the, yeah I think that's the best way of doing it so like if you just have like a, or even a top 5 do you know what I mean the thing I wonder about Khabib, though, does he have enough money to go and retire? And Absolutely. Because you know, like, when you think of Khabib and, and, and any other fighters that go on after when they retire, like they have well-spoken English and they can do all, like go on TV. And Is anyone going to sit down and watch a chat show with Khabib? Probably not, because he couldn't hold a chat show. Well, obviously, back in, in Russia, whatever, but to the American audience where I, I'm guessing his money is made, but... Like, what does he do here now when he retires? What, but when you look at it, step? though, the American audience, they don't give a fuck about because they changed the whole time of this fight card to suit Russian audience. Mm. And European audience, where Khabib's fan base is much larger. I'd imagine the only other person they do that for is Connor, as in change the time of the of the fight to suit the right, demographic so the people they were yeah. watching. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so what does he do now? Nothing. He goes off. Time to piss. He goes no. He doesn't drink. Does he not? No. Good Muslim. Um, he's a good Muslim. He he'll go back to Dagestan now and he'll just live out his life. You won't hear from him again. Yeah. He, he, he's one of those people. Like McGregor has retired fucking five or six times at this stage. <laughs> but like any time he says oh, I'm retired, everyone's just like oh, right. So he's he's on the bottle again. Like do you know that kind of way. Whereas Khabib is will just that'll be Coach. him. Yeah, he'll coach. He coach. Yeah, is like there was. If any has seen the fight last night, he like he absolutely smoked Justin Gage, who's like Khabib was one of those people who like every time I see him fight someone, I'm like, ah, oh, oh, this is, is it? Is, is he'll be beaten now? And he never fucking is. And like last night, I was convinced. I was sitting there and I was like, ah, oh, this is 100. He's gonna lose now. And he absolutely smoked him. Like he was never. Never really in trouble. There was a few hard leg kicks he got hit with, but other than that, like once it got to the ground, he it was like man versus child in the ground. Like he, he just he dominated him. Um, something that's gonna haunt McGregor forever. Um, I I don't think it'll haunt him in the sense that he lost to him. I think what will annoy him is his preparation leading into the fight. Because if you look at it on paper, Connor's been his hardest fight, which is mad when you think about it. Mm-hmm. As everyone has, like, if you look on any front, not that social media is the best thing to go off, but social media, 
if you look at any social media comment section, the first thing is, well, Connor needs to do jiu-jitsu and wrestling. When his takedown defense is probably the best we've seen against Khabib in that first round of that fight. Like, there was a, a sequence at the start of the fight where Khabib shoots for takedown and it's back and forth in a wrestling sequence, which no one else has been able to do with him, basically. Justin Gaethje is one of the best American wrestlers, like, ever. Like, like collegiately. Division one All American wrestler and made his wrestling career off defensive wrestling. So like being able to stop takedowns, not take people down. So his style would technically, on paper, transfer perfectly for MMA. And Khabib just once Khabib got hold of him, it was like he he was turned the plate up. Yeah, he was. It was like he was fifty kilo heavier than him. He mm-hmm. was just he just threw him around, and that's like that. It, the only person whose wrestling has been kind of at a similar level, like efficiency wise, is GSP. Who That's why is... he wanted to fight, really, wasn't it? Yeah, well, him and his dad had always talked about the GSP fight. Um, and his dad obviously died there recently, which is a massive a massive part of why he's retiring because he, he wasn't going to fight, apparently, because the dad died. And, but then he sat down with his, like, he's so fucking religious. Like, and I don't know if it's even religious, but he sat down with his mother and was like what do you reckon and she goes do this last one but that's it then and so that's why he came out and retired but you could see how I'd say it was a heavy enough L5 from last night in, in an emotional sense more so than a physical sense yeah. so you just see it like you've seen all the videos images, he just literally just breaks down crying for around five minutes how do you see the, the what do you think about the division how will it develop now like so he said last night that he sees um, Poirier and, and Connor fight in January and then the winner takes on Gagey is that how you think it will play? I reckon it'll go Conor Poirier in January Tony Michael Chandler um, and then they'll do, do the winners of both of them will fight for the belt in case you'll have fight the next person or they'll you wouldn't know like it would depend on see the contract negotiations are like they're so tough when you get to the top of the top of the divisions because everyone thinks they should be paid more money than they're paid. And I'm not saying they shouldn't be paid more money, but like this is what's happening with a lot of the fights. Like, um, I do think it's probably the best time for Khabib to retire in, like, from the UFC's point of view, in the sense that they've just signed Michael Chandler as well, who's a massive free agent for them to get in, and um, who's like a, another good body for that division. And lightweight is always one of the UFC's better divisions as well. So um, I'm sure it'll be grand. Like, yeah, you know, it, kind of... it seems Dana's is kind of weighing out a decision in January on where to, because I know he was asked during the week about the Dallas Cowboys stadium and stuff. He's like, oh, you know, we've been in talks with them and all that sort of stuff. It just yeah. seems that he's waiting out because he wants to make as most money as possible and just put it in a state where they're going to allow a full-seater stadium. That yeah. looks to me as, like, he doesn't really want to put, use McGregor as his tool if he can't have people in the stadium. That's the way it, looks yeah but it's like i always find it mad and I've, I've said this in the podcast before it's like i i always think it's crazy when people are like oh well he's only after that to, to make money yeah fucking course he is like do you know what i mean like it's the exact same when people used to say about footballers leaving teams and all like oh he only went to he only went to united for the money fucking are you telling me that you wouldn't go to another job that paid you more like do you know what i mean like people just don't like i I do laugh at people that say that but like um, I understand 
you, you, what you're saying, like Dana is, I think he is just holding out for the <clears throat> the McGregor money. Like McGregor is just one of those people. Like he's nearly shot himself in the foot at the at the same time of being such a draw. I know you could never have predicted what was going to happen, like with the pandemic and shit. But like he nearly makes them too much money to do it without having the crowds and the gate. You know that kind of way. But um, I would say the way I, I'm looking at it is. I would say Connor will have the belt back early 2022, if not late 2021. I'm calling it now. Go back to this podcast when it happens. Break it down. 25th of October 2020. Two big calls this season, I think. United not to finish top 10. Um, We're going to have that belt back early 2021. That's still Horst's coach, by the way. That's still which? That's still Horst. Yeah, well, look. It's reality. Anyway, um, that's all for part one. We'll take a quick break, have a quick word from our sponsors, and we'll return for both the doctors and the coaches. Ten minute buzz around. Hi everyone, it's the Sasquatch here from the Tree Busted Barstools podcast. This episode and all episodes in season two are produced in partnership with the Square Ball. The Square Ball is located just off Marion Square. It has dozens of screens showing televised sport and award-winning barbecue, making it the perfect spot in Dublin to catch the game. For more information or to book in, please visit the-square-ball.com. Thanks. Hello and welcome back to part two, season seven of the We Bust the Barstools. Um, season like seven. Season seven. Season two, episode four. Thanks for the correction. Um, episode carrying on in the same four. fashion as part one. It's the doctor as the start. <laughs> <laughs> it's the doctor for his. Round to beat the buzzer and start that clock. Go. Yeah, start that clock. This won't be too long. Uh, basically, <clears throat> my segment is on the history of short sponsorship in football. That's shirt. Shirt. S H I R T. Big. Not S. Shirt. Small. Hurt. <laughs> uh, yeah, so basically. Short the whole concept of short sponsorship in order to generate revenue for teams and clubs started kind of back in the it said historians on this say that it started back in the 50s with a Uruguayan club called Penal. Um, and then a couple of clubs in France, Denmark, and Austria, Torto Dozel. Now, a lot of people also say that. It started off in England with Kettering Town, which is not true, by the way, because this is a fact. And that was 1976. In 1973, a Bundesliga squad or team club called Eintracht Braunschweig uh, were the first ones to officially endorse and wear uh, short sponsorships. And that sponsorship was from a well-known drink called Jägermeister. Okay. Jägermeister. However, what happened was, like the Bundesliga at the time, they had like this law where you couldn't have sponsorship 
so they kind of defied that and they voted to get rid of basically their uh, club logo and replace it with Jägermeister. So they were given like a contract and it said that it was being between, now we're talking the 70s, so the Germans still had marks back then, uh, something between 160,000 and 800,000 marks over five years to put their Jägermeister logo. Uh, They were the first club to do it and they debuted it in March of 1973 against uh, Schalke. And then after that, uh, towards the end of 1973, about seven months later, uh, the Bundesliga decided, I'm sure they were probably under some kind of pressure because they seen the value in short sponsorships in how it uh, generates revenue for clubs. They decided to sanction jersey sponsorships, so they obviously changed their laws around it. Um, So yeah, 1976 then, after that, Kettering Town which was an English Southern League team, signed like a four-figure, four figures, considering what sponsorship gets you nowadays, like four figures, uh, with Kettering Tires was the name of the, the place that they got their sponsorship from. Yeah, but you so gotta, you got, you got to look yeah. at the league, though. Yeah, true. True <laughs> as well, yeah, true. But I'm sure, like, even if there is Southern League teams, I'm sure if they do have sponsorships, it's got to be more than four figures. Four figures could be nine and a half grand. Like that's, that's big money. It's four for figures me. in what year? <laughs> yeah, nineteen seventy six. Nineteen seventy. Yeah, it's a, it's a substantial amount of money. Like, yeah, um, I didn't well, even at that. Because it was the style at the time. The style at the time. <laughs> uh, where was I? <laughs> um, yeah, but even at that, like the the uh, FA or whoever the fuck was in charge at the time, we're kind of against that as well. So instead of they were asked to remove the sponsorship logo because it said Kettering Tires. But they re- removed it and put in Kettering T, which they said then, oh, the T actually stands for town. So they kind of got away with that. But um, about a year later then, 1977, the kind of English leagues began to allow Jersey sponsorship as well. So you can kind of see how like it went from that in the 70s to what we see now kind of mad isn't it like the sponsorship the revenue it generates with the jersey sales that they get but even at that like nowadays you have like your main jersey sponsor you have your your training gear sponsor you have your like your timing sponsor you have have two sponsors on their sleeves and stuff as well now that's what i was going to say to you Sleeve sponsorship, yeah. So if you look at, uh, let's say, just as a Man United fan, they signed with Adidas a couple of years ago. I think it was like a 10-year deal. Worth, was it 750 million quid? Coach, correct me if I'm wrong. Liverpool fan. You're a Liverpool fan, you scum. I'll check check my bank statement. But yeah, even, even at that, so like they have a... Adidas, Chevrolet, Aon, Shivaz, um, Tag Heuer, uh, Del Diablo. <laughs> that's how you, I don't think Tag Heuer is how you pronounce it. <laughs> is, it is it Tag Heuer yeah. or Tag Heuer? It's Heuer, man. Hey, is it, it is Heuer, isn't it? Tag Heuer. Yeah. 
I tell you now, it's the emphasis is the emphasis on how you put it. I think. Yeah. Um, if I was on more than twenty six grand a year, I could absolutely afford a tag here. <laughs> Sadly not. Um, United Adidas yeah, deal like, is I mean, just just the United Adidas seven hundred and fifty million pounds yeah. over. Oh, T- ten years. Ten it? years. Yeah. yeah. I'm willing to be I corrected mean, on this because I do believe it's probably an urban legend that someone told me once when I was too young to to understand. But someone once told me that when a player lives up his shirt when he scores, apparently the booking is not. It's now been changed to inciting hate, but apparently the reason for that was was because. You were covering the sponsor. Mm-hmm. So it's very that. that rule is very politically motivated, financially motivated, as opposed to financially because motivated. That's, that's yeah, where you yeah, see yeah. the sponsor. Blair scores, run towards the camera. Yeah, and then he lifts up his shirt. You don't see the sponsor, and that's 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 what I was told. I don't know how true that is. Um, what if they pull down their shorts and are wearing Paddy Power boxers? Like Lord, Lord Bentner. That's, that, that's like Lord Bentner. Yeah. Madness. Madness. Stephen Ireland was the original. Do you remember he whipped out the cacks and had the Superman jacks done? Might have been been Donegal Callahan either. Um, I wonder how much Superman paid Stephen Ireland to do that. But having said that, you might remember um, Barcelona. If I read correctly, had never had a sport, a shirt sponsorship up until 2006 and which stage was UNICEF which it was UNICEF. and they don't pay them Barca pay UNICEF do not and UNICEF is anyway. but UNICEF um, yeah they had the UNICEF logo and they donated Barcelona donated something like 1.5 million quid yeah they pay UNICEF They're... for having them on their shirts basically then, like it's, I presume they were still getting money in from other sponsors. Like they just didn't have a shirt sponsor. Yeah, so they were still, like, of course, yeah, no, they would have been. Yeah, yeah. But Around when the they changed now. then from UNICEF to Qatar Foundation, which is enough for profit, it was reported that Barcelona received something in the region of two hundred million over a five-year period. Yeah, then you slip into the dark arts there. Yeah, Qatar. Qatar. <laughs> yes. All our listeners will know that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 good in a way that, like, I mean, obviously, short sponsorship it it um generates a, a whole lot of revenue for clubs. It looks good on a jersey as well. Yeah. And I think any kind of as any kind of young person should really kind of it was an interest in any of these kinds of things should kind of look into it and just look it up and see where we kind of all started but it's funny how I know it is in, in, in Germany we would start it off with uh, what's the name of the club again Eintracht Eintracht Braunschweig um, <laughs> but you see how some countries have some countries have a uh, laws against advertising and sponsorship like if you yeah. ever watched uh celtic when and they next week by the invention of the stamp <laughs> <laughs> if you actually if like you, what you're getting on today the h cup instead of the heineken cup and uh, if yeah. you ever uh have looked at like a champions league or a europa league match <clears> with <throat> celtic having to travel to france when they were sponsored mm-hmm. by tenants or magners or Liverpool when they were sponsored by Carlsberg that they did not have an alcoholic 
sponsored logo on their uh, shirt. Absolutely. And then so, so, was some countries Leipzig. are for kind of and against. Yeah. 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 Um, or oh, did I hear Leipzig being mentioned? <laughs> the infamous Leipzig fan. The infamous Leipzig oh, jersey. Fucking um, start. But isn't it something that you can't sponsor? You can't be sponsored by an energy drinks company. And that's why Leipzig It's RB instead of Red Yeah. Racing Bull. I suppose you like you look at a soccer jersey, it's just as one main main uh, sponsor. Mm-hmm. You look at like your less funded sports like rugby, and they will have a sponsor in the middle, sponsor on the top of the back, a sponsor on the bottom of the back. Oh, thank you, and, and you're gone. Did you did you give me a five minute klaxon because that didn't? Feel no, I think he gave you a six month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, we look, I, I agree with the point. I know what you're saying. That, like yeah. rugby, there's sponsors all over, and you compare it to somewhere like the NFL, and there's nothing on anything. And the NBA has now started them. The NBA absolutely yeah, tiny, yeah. just on the top yeah. of the singlet. Like, yeah, they actually just on that. Was, oh, fuck me! Now your point is gone now. <laughs> you're out of time. <laughs> We're on to the next up. one. We're on to the next one. The final ten minute segment. My, yeah. my courser has frozen. Right, come uh, on, yeah. coach. Fucking spew your shit, will you? <laughs> There's no point in now having a bad attitude about it. Listen, Sass, you can kick me off whenever you want. Right, and start that clock. Play. Yeah, so look, welcome to my my quarter of the show, the, the good, the bad and the ugly, which I'm gonna need some uh I invite I invite all um you know feedback, questions, qualms, whatever. So the good kind of last week, Axel to Zebe, um, Man United fans will probably like to correct the way I um, pronounce that, but listen, I that's think not you're what correct, I meant yeah. to do. Um, so, came out during the week, I've seen a, a quick uh, article on how he is a world record holder. Any of you know this? Uh, Hungry Hippos. Hungry no, Hippos. No. Axel Tunzebe is holds the quickest time for clearing a table of Hungry Hippos <laughs> done in... I believe Los Angeles um, on preseason tour for Manchester United. He cleared a table of hungry hippos in 17 minutes, or sorry, 17 seconds rather, and 37. Not to be okay, confused so, with his teammate Aaron Wan-Bissaka, who holds the record for impregnating the most amount oh, of women. You have to go there. Let <laughs> me um, see that. No, I haven't heard this either. Come on, here, play your klaxon, you. Tell me more. Well, well after the klaxon. Jesus <laughs> So, uh, 2018, that was uh, Axel, which, which made me, which got me my juices, my creative juices flowing, wondering, well, what other athletes have hidden talents? And does it, does it transverse? Does it kind of, you know, is there athletes out there that are wholesome, good athletes who are just good at everything? Okay, so there's a, there's a few guys I would have gone to school and stuff that are, you know, they're, they're excellent at one thing, be it football, rugby, fighting, eating, drinking. Uh, or they just happen to be they just happen to be very good at everything, you know. So, um, AJ Green, did you know juggles and unicycles and regularly does it at half time? Yeah, for the fans. So that's one that got me. Yeah, you, you know AJ Green, Cincinnati. Yeah, for the fans. Yeah, yeah. for the AJ fans. Green. Yeah, maybe he just <laughs> for himself. Family, yeah. And then Mookie Betts from the Boston Reds. Bowled two perfect games in 2016 in bowling. So, uh, you know, maybe there's a career there in bowling. Maybe. Um, so, is there... One springs to mind of one wholesome athlete that I just think is phenomenal at everything. He's not even a professional, and that's Lee Chin from the Wexford Hurlers. Um, you know, he's transferred his skills to, to football, um, soccer. Um, if you watch the AIB documentary... Katie Taylor. 
ice hockey. Katie Taylor, another one, yeah. I don't um, want. I didn't want to say it. But what did he say? Was, what did he say? He he said Lee Chin like uh, was a phenomenal. No, 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 no. After Lee Chin and after hurling, he said something. I said soccer, and I hate saying soccer, but I have, I was using it in the same context as GAA football. So <laughs> association football is association football, boys. Yeah, Lee Chin's a good lad. Look, so um, um, that good got me thinking. Fella. Like, do, do you good, think very good-looking fella, very talented? Can it transpire? Can is there at least that are just good at everything, and which leads them being good at things like hungry hippos or pin the tail on the donkey or um, what's that one where the, the elephant blows the butterflies out with her nose and you have to catch them? Shagging. <laughs> I don't know. Shagging uh, yeah, the elephants. There has been nose. like you look at Katie Taylor, Lee Chin, Bo Jackson. Played NFL mm. and MLB, as did Deion Sanders. Uh, Bo Jackson also had an MA fight, I'm fairly sure. And yeah, Herschel Walker. He did. Herschel Walker, sorry. Herschel Walker. No? Did Bo Jackson not? Is that on his documentary about a f- either a boxing or an MMA fight? No, I, think so. I don't know. I don't think so. That's Herschel oh, Walker. Have to, have Herschel Walker that. definitely did. Because he also, Herschel Walker also has <clears> an ESPN 30 for 30. At the tender age of 54, he had his first on the The bad of last week, fellas. Um, mm-hmm. VAR, VAR, it's, it's not directly at that, but is it time the referees now kind of be held accountable? So the referees in the Premier League and Championship are now all professional. Um, so is it time to held, be held accountable and they come out after games and do interviews? Uh, oh, that's a, a very, very good point. I mean, if you look at a post-match where they bring out the two managers or they might bring out the captains or the man of the matches. Yes, absolutely. I think a referee should be uh, interviewed and questioned on performance. And it might be interesting to see if whoever is in Stockley Park, is that what they call it? Where the VAR centre is? Stockley Park should uh, be on standby to answer questions as well on that. Because as you know, like anyone who's watched the match or seeing uh, post-match analysis, match of the day or any kind of social media post and put up by... Um, it should go to the Barcelona's podcast. Should, <laughs> uh, should, should definitely be, be in there for uh, for questioning post-match. I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's a bit like... The decision's like, been made. Like Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah this decision's been made, but can they go back and apologise? Uh, well, yeah, look. and be like, well, this is my justification for us. This is how I saw it, or this is how I interpreted But we already know how they would have seen it because they've given the decision. What if they didn't go to the VAR the var- the var- screen to look? Yeah, they need that's, to. A, that's, a, that's a thing that they should uh, be asked as well. But we operated like, the game before VAR, like, do you know what I mean? Like, there's. Yeah. Like, do you, you want to go come out and apologize for that goal that Lampard scored that didn't count against Germany? Like, do you want to go to the stage like where it is in the NFL where after everything they go. Ruling on the field overturned, and they explain what the decision was made. Like, I don't know. Like, what's you're a Liverpool fan, right? What's the worst defeat that's ever happened to Liverpool? Take a whip worst Villa. defeat ever. <laughs> the most controversial. No, no, the Everton one, the recent Everton one's got to be controversial. Like that yeah. could affect. Okay. Like, if you Liverpool have had three decisions now gone against them in. Ah, oh, my heart bleeds. No, yes. look, it, no but like. If if the referee comes out and goes, well, the reason I didn't send off Pickford is because uh, it was it was offside anyway. Is that going to heal Van no, Dijk's but then, ACL? But, but then the interviewer, so can can go and ask him. Okay, that's fine. Why did Pickford not get sent off? Yeah, but then it's a witch hunt then, and then you're after someone. Yeah, but then it, for but like, it's a witch hunt anyway. I have never seen yeah, so much hunt, yeah. of a witch hunt on a player for something like that ever. It, but like. 
Like it's, so, it's so what are you saying? That it's, when, when, when did it happen? It happened before the international break, didn't it? So were you telling me that if he had got sent off for that, everyone's just going to go, "Oh, that's fine." Well, I think I think people. No, are of course not. No, they won't. Think... People, children, fucking, um, Shawcross broke Eduardo's leg years ago. Everyone was like, "Oh, he's a knacker." <laughs> he was sent yeah. off. Yeah, but the referee didn't make a mistake. Like, I don't, I don't see how it. So after the Liverpool game, if had the referee come out and gone, look, in hindsight, yeah, probably should have sent off Pickford. But what, I think but what good does it do? Every fan's, I think. Well, I think every fan's going to be look, look. He's made, you know, a mistake, and he's admitted to yeah, it. Whereas still, now we yeah. don't even know. He's made a mistake, but we're still getting relegated. Yeah. He's made a mistake, but we still lost the cup final. Yeah. And what then it's gone, good it, is it to you? It'll, it'll go so, to a stage then where you're like, if you go down your school thought as you're saying there, it's like he comes out and apologizes. That team will go. Oh well, he's after saying he was wrong. Let's lodge an appeal. They lodge an appeal, and then it'll get yeah. to a stage where it's like, oh, games need to be replayed because there was a mistake. Or suspensions handed out. Like, do you know what I mean? So would you be completely yeah, against would... referees being interviewed after games? Yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah well, I would like this. I would like to see referees being interviewed after games. What you're saying, I think that would require a change in association football's laws. I mean, can you remember? Yes, you would remember uh, Keane's challenge on Haaland's that ended his life. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, remember, he wrote in his autobiography that he... Meant to do it. Meant to do it, done it intentionally. Yeah. He got a huge fucking fine after mm-hmm. that. A yeah, huge it, fine. But yeah, probably, probably, a similar one came out during the week with, with Tom Brewett from Liverpool and, and um, that's right, Frank Cleary yeah. from, from, from Dundalk. And that's still... We'll still see how that develops. But for, for listeners who haven't seen that, just all you have to do is tw- have a, give it a search on Twitter and... There's a lot of grief going on. But listen, I've only got two and a half minutes left. So, the ugly... Okay, go on. The ugly. um, The GAA should be cancelled going forward. So you say should or shouldn't be? Over the weekend, we've seen Longford's game, Offaly's game off, Waterford Antrim being moved to Dundalk. Um, So, I'm going to put my hands up and say it's way too amateur. Um, Players are travelling around cars. It's a joke shop. Uh, GAA should cancel everything and write the year off. Thoughts? The yeah, the Waterford uh, on, Sass, one. You didn't really have a saying like go on. The Waterford Antrim one is for a different reason. It's yeah. they don't want to leave the country. So yeah. that's why it's moved on dock. Like Waterford didn't actually want to go. But it's affected by COVID. Absolutely, yeah, but it's not because of cases. No, uh, but it's affecting the way the championship is transpiring. Yeah, but like, you gotta ask the question then. What post do you want to do? Do you want to just roll over and let this thing fucking rip through and not have a normal life and not even fight for a normal life, or do you try and make the best of it? You want to fight for your right to party as well. He's trying to stay. <laughs> I'm guessing the, the Sasquatch. Boys. The Sasquatch is a Beastie Boys fan. Yeah, the Beastie Boys said it best. <laughs> Bohemians travelled to their away game last week on two buses, so they could socially distance. Like the GA aren't doing that. They're not following any sort of. But looks of things not following. Like the the lads from Kerry traveling to Monaghan went in all different cars and were stopping at I don't know twenty seven different petrol stations and shops. So I agree. No, I do agree with you. I do think they should be. It should be hit in the head. Um, like at the end of the day, it's an amateur sport. I know. And I know the argument is back and forth. Oh, they're as close to professional as you can get. Yeah, that means wine gall. To be perfectly honest, it's like you're either professional. Or you're not professional. Like I know you can technically say 
they're elites even if you want to go down that route of it because like amateur or not amateur athletes sorry um like olympic athletes and stuff aren't professional but i don't think the gaa should be looked at at the same level of eliteness even yeah. not even professionalism like uh, eliteness as say someone like the boxers say in the in the olympics or the fucking whoever yeah but most of these guys are teachers or bankers or whatever yeah like it's it's a good uh it's, it's a really good point actually that you're making there because i mean at the end of the day whether you're a professional athlete or not you're still a fucking human being you're not immune Absolutely, to yeah. anything that's going on you could go and you know fucking wash your hands but you could go to the petrol station to fill up your car and catch it on a pump well done. That was good. Do you know? I enjoyed that. The only thing I'd say, just to finish that up, is when people are saying, it's like, oh, well, they're as close to professional as you can get. Um, they go and travel to say, like you were saying earlier, the Kerry lads going up to fucking wherever. I, I don't know where they were going. Yeah, um, Monaghan, Monaghan, sorry. Yeah. Um, they played in Monaghan. And it's like, yeah, they go up and they play their game, whatever. It's like they're, they're high-level athletes. like, but if you're a professional athlete, you don't have to go in and teach 30 fucking kids mm-hmm. on the Monday morning. Do you know what I mean? You can go home. Say you do get it. You go, oh, shit, right. I have to fucking take whatever it is, 10 days, 14 days off training because you have to do your self-isolation shit. Like, mm. like at the end of the day, these lads, like, this is their hobby. pastime, hobby, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Like, you can... Yeah. Okay, like, right now, look, there's, look, there's four of us here. Yes or no? Cancel the championship. Cancel. I'm saying yes. Yeah, cancel it. I'd say yes. Yes. Sass? Yes. I think, oh, it's a, look. I think it's a player's decision. Oh. Anyway. I think, they've, no, I think they've been provided with the exemption. It's up to them. Have they... What's the... No, if, 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 what, what's the GPA's uh, position on it? And where uh, are they in terms of testing and stuff? We're like hiding. Yeah. I think the loud we're, we're closed for the next six yeah. weeks. We're, closed, think, yeah. we're working from home and the phones aren't working. Um, <laughs> us in I think email. the loud, like I think the loud. To be fair, the loud captain. I'm gonna get back to you as soon as he can. They played Cork in the league last weekend, yeah. um, and he said he hasn't been tested as of yet. Mm. And we have touched on that a few times. Like I think it could go ahead, but I think the protocols aren't in place with the GA. They need to be mm. testing them two, three times a week, like during the NFL. And I think it's similar to the sponsorship issue in that I don't think every county is going to be under the same scrutiny. So if Dublin Absolutely versus, not. say, Elitrum is not, it's not going to be fair. It's not a fair yeah. balance. But anyway, the klaxon went. Sass, take the, take the yeah. reins. Anything else before we finish up, lads? Anything else to touch on? Oh, I do, actually. No. I, I would like to retract my voice note from last week. And if anyone ever brings up the West Ham and Tottenham match... <laughs> <laughs> from the what was it the, the 17th, 18th, 18th, of October. the 18th of October 2020 don't spit in their face probably shake their hand let's discuss it was a there was a fantastic meme post on the page I don't know who made it yeah I don't know who made it but it was 10 out of 10 um, I, I I also seen I don't know if any of you seen it I meant to uh, meant to send it on um, Declan Rice I, although he is probably the third least liked bloke um, of this podcast he did share quite a good tweet of somebody who tweeted out when we brought on Lanzini and uh, was like oh 
look at West Ham, we're bringing on Gareth Bale and they're bringing on Lanzini and a lower half of the face. Yes. I just retweeted it. Seen and just got disaged well. <laughs> I, I put that on our story on our Instagram. Did you? I, yeah, yeah, yeah like, I put that that's, that, that's the kind of banter that a turncoat really shouldn't have, but he does, so we'll give him this one. But, um, you know. Just before be... we go, I had a few fans on to me and just a quick 30 seconds, Lomachenko Lopez. What are your thoughts, Greg? Mm. Um, it was actually, it was, it was, a, it was a good fight. Um, Lomachenko didn't get going until probably the seventh round, eight rounds, if even. Um, and then it was quite a close fight from there. Like Lomachenko is, a f- like from previous fights and stuff, he tends to take, not take the first couple of rounds off, but he starts slow. Um, it's more so the way Messi does in matches. It's to see what they're, they're doing, basically. Um, it also came out... Well, sorry, just to finish that point. He kind of started a bit slow, so he, he was obviously supposed to know what Lopez was doing. And it just... The fight kind of got away from him in the sense that, like, he was he was nearly too many rounds down to, when he started picking it up. And that's not to take away from... Uh, Lopez, he actually won the 12th round. Lopez did, and it was Lomachenko was going for him at this stage. Now, obviously, Lomachenko is not known for like his <clears throat> unbelievable punch power. Like, he's not going to stop people dead with one shot, like a Tyson would or, or anything like that. But um, when the fight was brought to Lopez, he, he, he done quite well. It was just, I think, if. I did say it in the voice note last week as well. I think if Loma does fight him again, um, he will get the better of him. Just, I, I don't think he'll, he'll, he'll already seen it, you know, that kind of way, and, and he'll go from there. Um, he also had an injured shoulder, which, I don't know, it, it's hard to say how much, um, how much it played into the uh, the result, but I would imagine it did play a significant role as he was in surgery the day after the fight. So yeah, so um, be interesting to see now with your man uh, Teofimo Lopez. Like he's actually very very good, um, and there's some good <clears throat> fights there for him. Like um, Ryan Garcia, um, who is fighting somebody or uh, Jorge Linares soon which will be quite a good fight um, uh, the winner then could possibly fight Lopez and then there's Javante Davis as well who is fighting someone can't remember who now for like me but also could fight Lopez so there's two good options the winner of that Garcia and Linares or Javante Davis and even the the one who doesn't fight Lopez so either fight Lomachenko or hold off for, for the next shot maybe but um, it's nice that boxing has a little bit of uh, glamour not even glamour it's it's nice that there's a bit of competitiveness in or there's an option for competitiveness <clears throat> in a boxing division um, for well I suppose the heavyweights there is a little bit but like as you've like like boxing has been for the past god knows however many years there's so many fights that have been missed out on just by like by a couple of years just by contracts not being yeah yeah absolutely and sorted and with these couple of lads like Garcia uh, Javante Davis and 
Teofimo Lopez, they're all like in their early 20s. So possibly could get three, if not two, good quality boxing fights um, before any of them are out of their prime or whatever. And then there's still Linares and then the return of the king will be legendary uh, when Lomachenko comes back and smokes all of them and then retires. That's my opinion. Could be very wrong. But that's what I think. So I think you'll be looking at. Perfect. Um, why don't you take us away, Doctor? Me? Me? Oh, yes. Yes, of course, yeah. Wow. Don't go uh, scored another touchdown. <laughs> Just saying. What a champion. And uh, say Tommy Bell with another try. <laughs> one day, one day we'll get this out of you, one day. Um, yeah. Oh, Jesus. Uh, thank you very much for listening, is all I can say. Stay safe. We have been the three busted bar stills. Plus our guest, the coach, I being the doctor. He's been the Sasquatch and the return of our very own goat, Beric Dondarian. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Tree Busted Bar Sales. Thank you very much for listening. Good night. We'll talk to you soon. Any fan questions, please put them in soon. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good night. Signing off. <laughs>